When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Alright everybody, welcome back inside the Mid-American Bandwagon Podcast, episode 90, coming to you live this week. We're getting uh, dangerously close to triple-digit episodes here, which is crazy for me, kind of hard to believe, but nonetheless, the the, the train keeps rolling no matter what. we got a lot to get to here tonight, women's hoops, men's basketball, baseball, all kinds of stuff to catch up on here, lots to talk to, we've got a full play tonight. Vanzi, my man, how are you? Oh, I'm pretty good, you know, just uh, enjoying the up and ups and downs of the weather we got going. And, uh, you know, just the ups and downs are making me look forward to, uh, you know, the upcoming Mac football season in the fall and all that. And, uh, you know, uh, still just moving forward. It's great. You know, it's crazy. I, I don't know if you've experienced something similar up in Michigan, but but here in Pittsburgh, it was last. Uh, what was it? Last Thursday, I think it was like 70 degrees. On Sunday, it snowed, and then today, it was 70 degrees again. Like, what the, yeah, the, the weather lately is just unbelievable. And that's about what it's been here, and uh, it was, you know, this morning, 70 degrees. You know, I wore a t-shirt to work, and then uh, at lunchtime, I go to hop out of the office, go get lunch, and I, I had to throw a hoodie on, and uh, when I came home, I had to throw a jacket on. So, uh, yeah. you know, just really, you know, it's it's... It feels like that Maction weather, though, you know, right now, like where it was warm enough earlier in the day and now it's kind of, you know, cold and, and slightly miserable. And, you know, it's 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 just it just reminds me of the fall. And, and yet, yeah, you know, you know, it's it's baseball season. But yeah, yeah, ba- it's baseball season with football weather, I think would be a good way to uh, to describe it. Before we get into our, our rundown here tonight, Vanzi, I got to ask, I know for everyone listening, I know this is audio only, but here on video, Vanzi, I got to ask, what, what hat is that? Is that a minor league baseball hat? I'm, I'm curious. No, uh, what it is, is um, it, uh, I don't even remember what the, the, the team name was, but we were the Coyotes. I played uh, adult baseball for uh, several years. I, nice. I, I was a somewhat decent ball player and I just couldn't give it up for several years. And unfortunately, uh, some bad hip injuries forced me to retire, but that's what the hat is. And uh, we we're talking about it uh, off air and my Lenten promise, you know, one of them was working out more and and I've been real lazy about it. So I just threw on the workout gear for this podcast. Uh, I got the guns out, even though the sun's are not, the sun's not out, uh, <laughs> you know, so that way I'm motivated to work out after this. Love that. Love, love the, yeah, you got, you got to play mind tricks on yourself sometimes to get that motivation to get in the gym. It's not easy. It's not easy for sure. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, Hey, let's, let's jump into it here, Vansy. Well, we're going to switch it up a little bit this week, folks. We're going to lead with, uh, with women's basketball this week. And, and the main reason for that is because uh, the Toledo women's hoops team, they were the only Mac team still competing this past week. They, uh, if you remember last week, we talked a little bit about their, um, you know, their, their game against uh, uh, Marquette in the third round of the NIT. They went on the road, knocked off the Golden Eagles in Milwaukee. And because of that, they earned a home game at Savage Arena in Toledo uh, in the NIT quarterfinals. Uh, this past Monday, they took on Middle Tennessee, a tough loss for for the, the Rockets, a tough way to end a historic season, an overtime loss at home to uh, to Middle Tennessee, 73 to 71. I mean, Vansy, nothing to be ashamed of if you're if, if you're Toledo here. They were down seven points after the first quarter. They stormed back, uh, had a chance to win at the end of regulation, had a chance to tie it up in overtime, just couldn't quite get there. Regardless, though, a 29 and six regular season. 19 and one in the Mac, 14 and two at home. Nothing to be ashamed of if you're the Rockets, but this does feel as if a little, it's a little bit of a, of a what could have been story here, a little bit of a missed opportunity. I know you had a chance to watch a lot of that game too. A, a tough way, a lot of like you, like we, like I just said, some chances for Toledo to get back and, you know, maybe get a victory there at the end of that game. Just, you know, it was kind of a, a close but no cigar scenario. 
Yeah, and for those who don't really know uh, where I live, I am, you know, like probably halfway between my beloved EMU Ypsilanti in Toledo, Ohio. So I get Toledo news stations and, and the Toledo media did a great job covering this game. So there really was a lot of buildup in this area um, for the game and the Toledo crowd. I mean, a tremendous crowd. The atmosphere was electric. I was not there. I was watching on TV, but it was, you know, it, it was a, a packed arena, just a tremendous showing by the crowd, um, you know, and in a tremendous season for the Toledo Rockets, but what a game. And, you know, I felt it was very odd because everybody on Twitter was tweeting about NC state and UConn, <clears throat> that great yeah. double overtime game. And then I'm firing off tweets about, you know, the women's NIT quarterfinal, you know, with every, every bit as much enthusiasm, it was a tremendous game, um, a great effort for Toledo. What was interesting about the game for Toledo is they played uh, eight players, eight players, you know, got on the court for Toledo. Uh, Nan, Nan Garcia uh, was the eighth player. She got 12 minutes. So she played 12 minutes, which was the team low out of the players who played. Um, she had a shot at the end of regulation to potentially win it and uh, missed. Um, and then at the end of overtime, she had a chance to win it with a layup and missed. And I just, I feel terrible for her, but it was very odd because I don't know if that's, you know, if that, that's just how the play broke down in both instances, but you know, you have a player who scored four points the whole game and played 12 minutes, getting two of your most important looks of the ball game uh, for a chance to play in the NIT semifinal. Uh, it was, it was somewhat odd um, to see that. Um, but again, a tremendous game, um, really can't fault Toledo, uh, in, in almost any aspect. I mean, you know, they, they were right there with, uh, middle Tennessee for much of the game. It was a tremendous game, uh, out rebounded them 40 to 31. Um, just, it, it was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, it was. And what a great game, a, a well-balanced game offensively for, for the Rockets, you know, four, four players, uh, in, in double digits. And, you know, it's, it's funny, Vanzi, because, you mentioned, you know, someone like Nan Garcia getting getting those big time shots, those opportunities to hit those shots at the end of of, of regulation and in overtime. And um, no, I'm, this is not me, or I I don't want to speak for you, but I I feel comfortable saying this is not us saying that she's not deserving of those opportunities. But you would think that you know, with the game on the line, you'd think for Toledo, you'd want someone like Quinesha Lockett or uh, or or you know Sammy uh, McConowicz taking that shot. Sammy McConowicz was. A, was fantastic in this game, tied her season high with uh, 17 points, also grabbed 13 rebounds. That was her fourth double-double of the season as a guard. She got 13 rebounds as a guard in this game. And so you think, I, I think I, I was reading an article after the fact, and I saw a quote from, from Trisha Cullop, the Toledo head coach, where she was saying she felt like both teams did a great job of, of taking away what the other team wanted to do. And I think that would certainly apply to these late game scenarios here where they knew Toledo was going to be going to Quinesha Lockett or to Sammy McConowicz or, um, or, you know, uh, uh, Goss as well. Those, those three, those are kind of the, you know, the, the big three and the, you know, they've been playing really well for, for the Rockets lately. And so middle Tennessee did a great job of taking those three away in those moments and kind of left uh, that left non Garcia with, with the, the, the chance to, to win the game, tie the game, send it to double overtime. Didn't work out for the Rockets, but I still, I mean, I know I've talked about this on the pod previously, but I mean, you look back at the preseason, Vanzi, Toledo, despite the success that they've had as a program, I mean, they were picked eighth in the preseason poll here. So for them to win the MAC, get the MAC regular season title, 29 wins, you get to the NIT quarterfinals, nothing to be ashamed of at all if you're a Rocket uh, or a Rocket fan uh, in this case. And Speaking of the Rocket fans, I wanted to echo your sentiments there, Vanzi, because I so I didn't get to watch this whole game the other night, but I did see a good portion of the first half. And man, Savage Arena was packed. It was rocking. And, you know, we, we've talked about this a little bit in, in the past on the show here, Vanzi, where Toledo as an athletic department, I, I got to give a shout out to the Toledo fan base because the support that the Rockets receive across the board, whether it be men's hoops, women's hoops, basketball or excuse me football you know the olympic sports the the toledo fans show out for this team and i feel like for better or for worse that's not something you can say about every team in the max so i got to give respect to the toledo fans i know 
for you, it's probably tough to do that as an Eastern Michigan fan, being close to them and uh, having to deal with some of those Toledo fans. But I do feel like from an attendance perspective, from a support perspective, Rockets fans really, they really do come out and support their squads. Yeah. And there's been a lot of times where uh, I've gone to, uh, you know, every year they'll have like a exhibition game and you can go, you know, for free. And it's like, well, it's on a random Saturday or Sunday. I'll just go, you know, just cause it's, you know, it's for, for free game and they'll get good crowds for that as well. Um, you know, but if you talk to a lot of Toledo fans, you know, there's just as much passion, if not more for that women's program as there is for the men's. It's really, it's really cool to see uh, the women get that much support. The other thing is when you look at Toledo and being this close to it, you have the Toledo walleye minor league hockey team who draws very well. You have the Toledo Mudhens, a world famous minor league baseball team who does very well. But then other than that, Toledo and then further South Bowling Green, you know, their, their university athletics are big deals because, you know, in Toledo, it's like a major minor league city. So there's still a big population base but also you're far enough away from Cleveland, Cincinnati, Detroit, you know, or some of the bigger schools in Columbus, Ann Arbor, where you can't just say, well, I'm not going to go to the Toledo game. I'm going to go to the bigger school. So I think that plays into it, but yeah, tremendous support. Uh, Their administration for Toledo does a great job of, uh, you know, this funding uh, different projects and then facilities and things like that nature. Um, you know, and I, I could go on and on, but if you're, you know, I mean, Eastern Michigan has more Mac, Mac titles across all sports. I just got to throw that out there. But, uh, <laughs> Toledo's probably, you know, Toledo, I mean, other than not being able to get over the hump in some sports and win the title here for the last few years, they, they are probably one of the more consistent um, athletic departments across the board in the major uh, revenue athletic sports. Yeah, certainly. And hey, hey, no shame in that. You got you got to remind those Toledo folks sometimes, uh, you know, EMU, that's one thing you got over them. So no, no shame in, uh, in promoting the squad there for sure. Let's uh, so move into some other women's hoops news here, Vansy. I think this next story we're going to talk about, I think this is something that probably did not come as a huge surprise to anybody that follows the Mac. It's something that has been rumored for quite some time. Uh, but Buffalo women's head basketball coach Felicia Legit Jack uh, named the, the next Syracuse women's head basketball coach the other day. Uh, she's an alum of Syracuse, played there uh, back in the 90s. And after 10 years at Buffalo, uh, you know, Syracuse had let go of their women's head coach earlier this year. And uh, it seemed like a natural fit uh, for, for uh, Felicia Legit Jack to make that move. The all-time winningest coach in uh, Buffalo women's basketball history, 202 wins. She was the coach at Indiana also prior to, to coming to Buffalo. A career record of 343 and 279, three MAC championships, four NCAA tournament appearances in her 10 years at Buffalo, a program record 29 wins and a Sweet 16 appearance back in 2018. Vansy, for, for as, as you know, as MAC fans, as MAC followers, obviously we want all the programs into the Mac to be able to perform at the highest level. And from that perspective, this is a sad thing to see uh legit Jack go, uh, not gonna, not, you know, I don't even, even Buffalo fans on Twitter, not mad at her for doing this. I think everyone kind of expected this kind of saw this coming, but uh, yeah, after, after a really solid 10 year run uh, for the Bulls women's basketball program, they're going to be looking for, for a new head coach. And uh, again, I don't think anybody was too surprised by this story, but it's still, you know, sad to see her go. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, obviously a tremendous fit for her at Syracuse. I believe Buffalo actually beat Syracuse uh, either this year or the year prior, Um, you know, so just a tremendous fit and Syracuse basketball men's or women's and Syracuse basketball uh, being an alumna of the the university just makes sense. Uh, The same area getting to recruit the same caliber players, you know, this, it it just, it crossed the board. It makes too much sense for her. Um, You know, I'm sure it wasn't really that difficult of a decision. I mean, that's, you know, just just a tremendous job opportunity for her already some rumors about which players may or may not go with her down the road in this transfer portal error uh, to, you know, uh, to Syracuse and that'll be something to keep an eye on. Um, but yeah, that Buffalo squad making the NCAA tournament, uh, you know, would have been nice to see them get out of there with a victory um, against Tennessee to kind of send her out. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, just tremendous season, a tremendous career at Buffalo will be interesting to see what Buffalo does. Um, 
you know, lately outside of football, uh, their trajectory, uh, you know, has been to hire from within to promote from within. And I think that Buffalo culture, um, the way it's been going would make me think that they would probably promote from within, but we'll see. Yeah, certainly. And you look at uh, Syracuse. I mean, this is a, this is a proud tournament or uh, excuse me, a proud program. I mean, you look at, you know, from, from the span, you know, the 2012 season up through 2021, they made the NCAA tournament every year uh, outside of 2020 when the tournament was, was canceled because of COVID this past year under Vaughn Reed, though, uh, quite a regression for the orange 11 and 18 overall four and 14 in the ACC. So you know, hiring uh, one of their uh, alum to to bring them back, hopefully to uh, the, the glory that they're used to and the and the status that they're used to. I didn't realize this, Fancy. I was reading the uh, the the uh, press release on Buffalo's website here. Uh, Felicia Leget Leget Jack, all time uh, career record holder in Syracuse women basketball for points, rebounds, field goals made, and free throws made. She's the all time leading scorer and rebounder for Syracuse Orange uh, women's basketball. That's that's quite a career, quite a uh, quite a uh, a mark she left on that program. And she actually, this past November, they uh, they retired her jersey, and she is the first female student athlete in the history of the Syracuse Orange Athletic Department to have her jersey retired. So that is uh, some some high high praise and, and and a serious some serious honors there for her. So a lot to live up to. I mean, obviously she did a lot for that program as a player. We'll see if she's able to build them back up to prominence as a coach now here uh, as uh, she starts her uh, her new job as the, the Syracuse Orange head women's basketball coach. One more uh, women's hoop story here, Vanzi, that I wanted to cover, that we wanted to cover, I should say, uh, some significant transfer news out of Mount Pleasant. Obviously, um, everyone knows, you know, Central Michigan women's hoops, a very proud program, a couple of sweet 16 runs here over the last uh, couple of years consistently challenging for Mac championships and getting into the NCAA tournament. They did not have the, uh, the, the season that they wanted this year. And now that has kind of bled into the off season where um, uh, leading scorer and unquestionably their best player, Molly Davis, one of the best players in the Mac has entered the transfer portal. She was uh, 12th all time at central Michigan uh, in, in points in only three seasons and eighth all time in three pointers made, she has two years of eligibility remaining. So it's not hard to imagine a scenario where she could have at least gotten into the top two or three in both of those, uh, both of those categories. She's a local product from Midland, Michigan, and, uh, you know, average 14.3 points a game last year, uh, started every game for central Michigan, uh, last season, or I should say, I guess two seasons ago now, technically, as they went on to win the, the, the Mac championship averaged 21 points per game, first team, all Mac. She did have some injuries this year, still averaged 18.4 points per game, earned second team, all Mac honors and Vansy for, for not just for central Michigan, but for women's hoops in the Mac in general, this is a big loss. Yeah. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I saw was that's a six player. I, first off, I, real quick, I want to give a shout out to uh, Central Michigan Life, the student newspaper. I know, you know, yeah. they're, I guess, somewhat competitor with uh, Hustle Belt, but, you know, they do a tremendous job. If you're talking about student newspapers, they're probably the gold standard within the Mac. And uh, I was reading their uh, their article on it. And she is the sixth uh, female Central Michigan Chippewa basketball player to transfer since January of this year, you know, and we're, we're three almost, you know, just starting the fourth month of the year. So that's a lot considering you probably have 15, 16 players on a roster. Um, it was a, a tough year for the Chippewas, you know, not, not something they would be accustomed to, uh, you know, with that program and the success that they've had. And I think that, you know, has a, 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 an effect on it. Um, when you're seeing this many players transfer out. Um, but Molly Davis was the bright spot for this, that program this year. Um, you have to wonder where she's going. Um, I would imagine, you know, you're probably not transferring out of central Michigan as an all Mac caliber player to go down a level. You got to imagine she'd probably look to move up a level. Uh, there's a lot of former Chippewas who are in the, the major uh, power conferences as assistant coaches. So, you know, just something to potentially keep an eye on there. Yeah, certainly. So we'll keep an eye on that. It does. It does seem though, like uh, yeah, quite an exodus coming out of uh, uh, Mount Pleasant right now. And uh, Heather Osterley, she's gonna have uh, have a quite a rebuilding uh, 
task to take on this offseason to see if they can get uh, the Chippewas back to uh, back to prominence, back to competitiveness here in the MAC. I don't think anybody anticipated the the Chippewas having the, the type of season that they did this year, uh, especially after you know the, the the success that they have become very used to uh, over the last uh, you know number of years, you know last couple decades. They've been one of the best programs in the MAC. So we'll see uh, we'll see what happens there in uh, Central Michigan. I think it also it it does. I, I do feel obligated to say that, you know, with, with the transfer portal nowadays, a, a student and athlete entering their name into the transfer portal does not mean that they are obligated to leave. Molly Davis does have the option to come back to Mount Pleasant, but you would certainly think that given all the other context clues, given that five of her teammates entered the transfer portal before this, it does seem that, you know, likely that she's going to end up somewhere else and going to finish her Collegate career elsewhere. So we'll see what ends up happening there. Best of luck to Molly, whatever she decides to do. And uh, we'll, well, that's something that we'll continue to monitor as, as, as the offseason continues. Let's move into men's hoops here a little bit, Vanzi. Got some, uh, some, some uh, coaching search news. A couple of uh, Mac schools have, uh, who had, uh, you know, had vacancies at the men's uh, basketball head coach position have, have made their new hires. And uh, that's something that, uh, you know, obviously a lot of people were, were waiting to see. Let's start in Muncie, Vanzi. Uh, Ball State, they went and they got their guy, Michael Lewis hired as the new Ball State men's head basketball coach. This is a guy, tons of ties to the Midwest. He was uh, he was uh, Mick Cronin's main uh, lead assistant at UCLA. Mick Cronin came out and really strongly endorsed him for this job at Ball State. This is a guy that's from Indiana. Uh, it's a guy that has tons of ties to the Midwest. Uh, he, was a, he was an assistant at Cincinnati with Mick Cronin before he going out to UCLA. It really does seem like this was a home run hire uh, for, for Ball State, Vanzi. What do you think? Oh, I, I, you know, they, Ball State put some things out about this hire, one of the coach talking and then the, the coach, uh, Michael Lewis himself put something out where he's on the side of the road, some freeway in, you know, Indiana outside of Muncie. And, you know, like, I mean, I'm sure later in the year, there'll be corn in the background and all that. And he, he's standing there and he's just got a smile on his face and he's pointing at the sign that says, you know, Ball State University, Muncie, Indiana, this way. And it was just, you know, it, you can just tell that he's excited to be there. He fits in. I mean, you know, I, I love this hire. He knows the area. Um, you know, he played at Indiana. Um, he's got those connections. You know, I mean, you look at Mick Cronin in Cincinnati and that's in that same area and what they did. So, you know, he's not going into this you know, going to be surprised by anything. I think it's a tremendous fit. Um, you know, I think Ball State is one of the sleepers. I love their arena. I think, you know, anytime you have a college basketball program in the basketball crazy state of Indiana, you got a chance to do some fun things, uh, you know, if you get it right. And I think they got a chance to do that. The James Whitford era went on for a while. Some new blood is probably needed. One thing that I would keep an eye on, um, Michael Lewis, I had kind of thought that Dane Fife, the former Indiana great, would get the head coaching job at Ball State. He formerly coached at what was Indiana, Purdue, Fort Wayne. It's now just Indiana, Purdue, or excuse me, Purdue, Fort Wayne. But uh, Dane Fife played with Michael Lewis, and Dane Fife was let go by Indiana. Ah, so kind yeah. of, you know, he tweeted a couple things out about Michael Lewis. I'm wondering if you can get Michael Lewis and you get Dane Fife on that bench. I mean, you're going to have Hoosier fans going to Muncie, Indiana, just to, to breathe the same air that they're breathing. And, and that, that would be a tremendous staff if they can make that happen. I think ball state, I think they hit a home run. I think it's uh it's uh they're going to be a sleeper in the Mac, um, you know, here in a couple of years, if not sooner. That I did not know the the Michael Lewis Dane Fife connection there. That's very interesting, and I wouldn't be surprised to see that at all. Yeah, he he locks up Dane Fife. That could be a heck of a coaching staff there in Muncie. I do. I want to correct myself real quick. I said something that was uh, wrong a couple minutes ago. He was not an assistant at Cincinnati with Mick Cronin. Mick Cronin brought him to UCLA with him, but prior to UCLA, he was an assistant at Butler and and most recently Nebraska was an assistant coach uh, at Butler from 2011 to 2016. We all remember those Butler 
Butler teams with Gordon Hayward that had uh, made the run to the NCAA championship game there back in, uh, I, what was it? I believe that was 2011 that year. I think so that, so, um, so he was, you know, he's been a part of some very high level teams uh, has seen some, obviously UCLA went to the final four last year. So uh, seem really does seem like a great hire for the Cardinals as a guy. And, and it, like you, like, as we mentioned, an Indiana native, and uh, really seems like he wants to be at Ball State. And I agree with you wholeheartedly, Vancy, in, in the sense that I think you look at Ball State being in being in a state like Indiana, which arguably, you know, I'd put it up there with North Carolina as like the two states in the country where it's like they they love hoops, right? Specifically college hoops. And so I think that uh I, I think they are kind of a, a sleeping giant, if you will, a little bit of a sleeper in the Mac. And man, if he can, if he can recruit and if he can convince some of these guys, we know, you know, Peyton Sparks is in the transfer portal, the freshman of the year this past year in the Mac. If he can convince him to stay and bring in a nice little recruiting class here, Ball State could be a problem here in these next couple of years. So we'll certainly see how they they, they develop here because uh, they, they do seem to be a program that has underperformed here a little bit recently. So we'll see if Michael Lewis is able to get them back where a lot of folks think that they should be. Moving uh, just a little bit southeast from Muncie, going down to Oxford, another uh, another coaching coaching search that we speculated a little bit last week. I'm not going to say we called it Vansy, but we kind of called it here. Uh, Miami, Ohio, just today announcing that uh, Travis Steele, the former Xavier head coach who was let go recently, he is going to be introduced as the next men's basketball coach at Miami. Uh, was a uh, the uh, Four-year head coach at Xavier went seventy and fifty there, two postseason berths. And uh, Vansy, I think we we talked about it last week. This is a guy who knows the area. He's known as a good recruiter. He's local. Uh, you know, know, knows the fan base a little bit. Uh, this seems like another really, really good hire. Uh, anytime you know in the MAC where you can get a guy from a school that's you know in the Big East like Xavier, I feel like that's a really good hire. And especially for a guy like this, I mean, seventy and fifty at Xavier. I understand, you know, maybe they underperformed for a few of those years, but that's not a bad record at all. I understand they have high expectations there, but regardless, I think this is a great hire for the Red Hawks for a team and for a fan base that could use a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of energy, a little bit of kind of a shot in the arm. It seems like this is going to do that. Yeah, what this hire reminds me of is very much uh, like the John Gross hire at Akron, and that's worked out pretty well, you know, and uh, I think, you know, Travis Steele, um, yes, he kind of inherited, you know, a, a very good program, you know, Chris Mack, who went to, to Louisville and, and all that, um, you know, and, and it was hard to kind of keep that trajectory, but it didn't really take a step back. He still won 70 games. They, you know, they made some NCAA tournaments. They made the NIT, you know, they, they were a very good program. So, you know, I don't think you can look at that and say, well, he was fired. I mean, I think this is a tremendous hire. And honestly, if you're Miami uh, University of Ohio there, you're not going to get a better coach than this. This is somebody that the surrounding community will recognize um, as somebody who coached, you know, in Xavier, at Xavier in Cincinnati, who had success. He knows the area. He knows a lot of the high school coaches. Um, also, though, the other thing, Xavier was very successful in his tenure in going into the transfer portal and getting guys out of there. Um, you know, they mm. they sometimes would pick up a division two guy, you know, and the next thing you know, they're playing in the G league. So, you know, I would keep an eye on that. I think there's some, you know, real nice uh, player development or player scouting uh, that had happened during his time at Xavier. I think it's a tremendous hire. I, you know, I mean, I think, I think, you know, they're obviously they're going to have some players in the transfer portal going and, you know, coming and going, but I think it's a tremendous hire. I don't think you could beat this hire. I love this hire the same way. I love the John Gross hire the same way. I love the Stan Heath hire, you know, I, I love it. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of coaches in the Mac. Now you mentioned Stan Heath and John Gross and some of these other guys, we got a lot of coaches in the Mac right now with some serious pedigree. And, and I'm excited for that because, you know, we talked a little bit last week about how the Mac having a, a down year a little bit this year. And there's some programs in the conference with potential that haven't quite lived up to that. These last couple of seasons, I would put Miami in that group. These last 10, 15 years, Miami has not performed that well on the, on the, on the basketball court. They haven't been to the NCAA tournament since 2007. I talked a little bit last week though, Vanzi, about how successful they were leading up to that. One thing that I did not realize though, when I said that, and I didn't know this until I was reading Miami's official press release today, but even with the struggles that they've had for the last 15 years, 
The Miami Redhawks men's basketball program is the winningest program in MAC history. 21 league titles, 26 postseason appearances. And that's even after having been very, very mediocre for these last 15 years. So you think about, I, I, I mean, you know, I don't think most people, when they think about South, Southwest Ohio and the Cincinnati area, I don't think many people would, would relate that area with, with as, you know, as a basketball hotbed. But you think about the, the Division I teams in that area. You have not only do you have Cincinnati and Xavier, but you also have Dayton. You also have Wright State, who was in that conference or was in the NCAA tournament this year, always at the top of the Horizon League. You got Northern Kentucky just across the river in, uh, in Kentucky, who has been competing for NCAA tournaments recently. This is a really, really good area of the country for college basketball. And then obviously, you know, got Lexington, Kentucky with, with University of Kentucky, not that far away. You're not far from Indiana either. There's a lot of talent in that area, a lot of passion for hoops in that area. And I really feel like if Travis Steele can capture some of that within this fan base, Oxford's going to be a hard place to go play. If he can get that fan base re-energized and get them to sell some tickets and they can start to, you know, sell out that arena, I think Miami within a couple years here, along with Ball State, that could be a really, really good place, uh, a really successful program given the right leadership. And I think Travis Steele might be that guy. So one of the things Travis Steele would do at Xavier is uh, if they want a game, you go to like one of the local bars with students and, you know, uh, give them a game ball or, or say, hey, you know, I'm buying around, you know, for the bar or whatever. Now, I mean, a boy, if he goes, if Travis Steele goes to Miami's beloved Brick Street bar down there yeah. in uh, Oxford and he buys around one, you know, there's so many people in there, he may go broke. But two, <laughs> I mean, he could, he could run for mayor, you know, yeah. uh, of Oxford. I mean, that would be tremendous. Um, but and, and you spoke about the history of Miami basketball as a practicing Michigan football fan. I am all for counting wins that happened, you know, decades prior, even century, you know, <laughs> that far, you know, I, we'll, we'll count all of them. But no, they, they did have a very successful program uh, under Charlie Coles. I think they can get back to it. One thing that concerns me about Miami and about this job uh, is now you're looking at the transfer portal. Well, yeah. no offense to any other Mac school, but Miami is probably the best academics in the Mac. It's, you know, just below an Ivy League. It's probably, you know, in the conversation, probably above Michigan um, as far as public universities with tremendous academics, you know, kind of a Northwestern type. Well, yeah. that makes it very tough to accept guys into the transfer portal. So we'll see how that goes. It, uh, you know, I mean, I, I think if you look at the transfers across the board, some of their sports have been less than some of the other Mac schools. And it's hard to say, is that the uh, admission standards? Is that a coaching staff thing? What could it be? But that is something to keep an eye on in this changing landscape. That, that's a great point. That's something I hadn't thought about is the, the challenge there of recruiting because of academics. I mean, you hear that about schools like Northwestern, like Vanderbilt, like Miami, like Stanford. Uh, I mean, I think Stanford has had a, a good deal of success athletically, but I think you, you think about Northwestern and Vanderbilt and places like that. It can't, you know, that, that can provide a little bit of a barrier, but I, I don't think it's an insurmountable barrier, but it certainly is, is something else to consider when you're thinking about recruiting to a school like that. What before we move into some other, you know, transfer news, other men's hoop stuff here, Vanzi, real quick, wanted to touch on, you know, we, we talked about, you know, two openings here being filled, Michael Lewis at Ball State, uh, Travis Steele at Xavier. That leads me to just the question, what is Western Michigan doing? Because Miami, I mean, their, their coaching search, what did this take? A week, 10 days, something like that. Ball State, they they got rid of James Whitford at right around the same time when Clayton Bates resigned at Western Michigan. Ball State has gotten their guy. Western Michigan, they just seem to be taking their time. And, man, the, the, the further they go, the longer they go without a head coach, the more this program is going to suffer. They can't recruit right now. They don't have a head man to, to lead up recruiting efforts. It does – seem i i mean i i don't know you're you're closer obviously being in west in, in michigan excuse me you're a little bit closer to this program than i am but it's I'm, a, I'm just i'm a little bit confused by how long the broncos are taking to name their next head coach yeah well they're also going to be making a switch uh with athletic directors i don't know if that has anything to do with it yeah um 
but there's a tremendous, uh, you know, uh, writer in this area who, you know, covers the Mac, uh, Tony Paul's his name. He, uh, he's been on this uh, from the start. It's been no secret that the target was, you know, Western alum, Saudi Washington, who's at Michigan, who's the assistant coach. Um, really kind of, I mean, you know, some would say he's the second assistant. He's probably third because you are the third coach because you have Juwan Howard, you have Phil Martelli, and then you have yeah. Saudi Washington. They made a run at him when they went with Clayton Bates. Um, they couldn't get the money to where he wanted it. And uh, he came out with something now saying, Hey, I'm not leaving. I'm not going to Kalamazoo. My family loves Ann Arbor. I love being here. Uh, I think he knows they're just one successful season in Ann Arbor away from him, you know, being up for a power five job or if Jawan Howard goes to the NBA also, you know, being the third coach at Michigan probably pays just about as well as whatever Western Michigan could pony up in pay him, you know? So yeah, that's a great point. You know, I mean, it's kind of a tough situation there. Um, you know, I think a lot of people wanted him back uh, in Kalamazoo. That was the the pipe dream. And I'm sure he's got a lot of love and affection for uh, Kalamazoo and then the Broncos, but um, just couldn't make it happen. Um, maybe in the future at some point, I, you know, but it's been kind of close to the vest. We haven't heard too many names. I would keep an eye on uh, Michigan state assistant, Dwayne Stevens. I think that's somebody he was up for the uh, Eastern job and, and Tom Izzo in the past has made it known that he's going to go to bat for Dwayne Stevens. And uh, I would think that that would be a candidate to uh, keep an eye on there. Um, I haven't heard too many names linked. And I almost, I have to wonder if Western Michigan isn't still kind of kicking themselves about, you know, somewhat pushing the venerable Steve Hawkins out the door uh, two, three years ago. Totally agree. That that was going to be my first point here is that I, it's one of those situations where I feel like, you know, it's, you know, the grass is not always greener on the other side, right? Steve Hawkins, 17 years as the head coach at Western Michigan. They only made the NCAA tournament twice, but still, I mean, you look back, I know we talked about this a couple of weeks ago whenever Clayton Bates resigned, but I mean, you look back at this program, 2012 through 2015, that's three straight seasons with 20 wins there that they had. And uh, they just have not been able to get back to that level since that happened. And, uh, you know, it, it is tough. I, you know, you mentioned, you know, Saudi Washington, and you're probably right. Being, you know, the third assistant or the second assistant at, at Michigan probably play, pays just as much, if not more, than being the head man there in Kalamazoo. So it is they, they are in a tough spot there. Man, you, you would like to think, though, that whenever they made this change, that, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I feel like they had to have known, they had to have seen the Clayton Bates resignation coming. I don't think that caught anybody too much by surprise. And so you would have liked to think that they had, a, you know, a plan A, plan B, plan C here. I don't, it doesn't seem like that, though, from the outside looking in. It does seem like they're, you know, it, this, this search is a little bit um, uh, erratic right now, if you will. So that's something we'll continue to monitor. Maybe by this time next week when we get to sit down to record Vansy, maybe we'll have a, a new head coach there in, in Kalamazoo to talk about. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Before we get there, though, something else we wanted to discuss here tonight, Vanzi, is that, you know, we've talked about the transfer portal here a few times. And... Man, the transfer portal right now, I think it's done some good things for college athletics, but it is making life really, really hard for mid-majors right now. You look in the MAC here just over the past week, Ali Ali from Akron, sophomore, 13.9 points per game, 46% field goal percentage. He was their second leading scorer. He enters the transfer portal. Ben Vanderplas, second leading scorer at Ohio, 14.3 points per game, 6.8 rebounds, can hit threes, can rebound for you, can get into the paint. He entered the transfer portal. Trendon Hankerson, uh, leading scorer for Northern Illinois this past year, 11.4 points per game, 3.7 rebounds per game. He's in the transfer portal. Mo, uh, I, I'm going to say his name wrong. Is it is in GA and Jaye from, from Eastern Michigan, the, the freshman that had a ton of promise, showed a ton of promise this year, 6.6 uh, points per game, 5.3 rebounds, shot 61% from the field. He entered the transfer portal. Vanzi, 
I would, I do not envy these coaches right now where it's like, you have to re-recruit your team after every season because a guy in the Mac or the horizon league or the a 10 or any one of these mid-major conferences, pick a conference. They have one good season. They start thinking they can transfer up to play in the power five. And, and most of the times they're right. I wouldn't be surprised, especially you look at like uh, Ali Ali and Vanderplas. I wouldn't be surprised to see these guys on power five rosters next year. And I don't, I don't hold that against them for wanting to explore their options, but man, it makes really, it makes life hard for teams in the Mac. Yeah. And I, I'm a big Michigan basketball fan and you know, I, I was on a message board and the next day, you know, I'm like, you know what, like all these people are, are you know, clamoring because they want Ben Vanderplas to transfer into Michigan. I mean, yeah, you know, just I mean, how the times have changed. Um, real quick, uh, Mon Mon Ajay, I would say that he is. Uh, you know, you may be seeing him in uh, in Penn State colors next year. Uh, his brother is a four star recruit of that yeah. basketball program. They had they need some depth there. Um, in the low post. So I would not be surprised to see that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think if you just go, you know, if you were to pick, you know, like just some of the greats of uh, the, the, the college basketball era of the Mac, you know, and Wally Zerviak and Earl Boykins, you know, and, and they, they would probably, and it's hard to say, but they would probably transfer out. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, you know, Rashard Holmes, um, guys like that, they would probably transfer out and move up a level, uh, you know, and you would never have these great runs, you know, like you saw at Earl Boykins at EMU and some of these other runs, uh, even, a, you know, George Gurdon transferred into EMU. So there was transfers way back when, but not on this scale. And now it's basically, I mean, I don't know, you know, what the answer is. I mean, you know, I, I, I think Mac schools should invest in Velcro jerseys, you know, with the names and numbers <laughs> and Velcro back at this point. And I saw something, a tremendous tweet, high school recruits. I mean, I know that this wasn't the intended nature of this, but this is killing high school recruits. Yeah. If you're a fringe player and you're looking somewhere to, to commit, you know, boy, do I go to a D3, a D2, or am I going to get this D1 offer? Well, hey, that D1 school who's looking at you just picked up, you know, four transfer portal guys from Long Island, Brooklyn or something, you know, there goes yeah. your chance. So it's, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I like the player freedom. I think the players probably like it. I don't, you know, we're not done. I mean, we are in April. Like, I mean, yeah. you know, like once this comes out, it'll be April, but you look at it, there's still the final four to be played. There's still coaching spots, you know, churning through. There's still the whole NBA draft cycle. You have guys who are going to, you know, declare for the draft, find out they don't like what they're hearing and then say, well, I'm not going back to where I wanted to go. I'm going to transfer, you know, it may not be just on a max scale, but on a full, on a whole nation scale. I mean, there's still a lot of off season left and, uh, you know, I think it's going to get worse for the Mac before it gets better. And I just, I'm, I'm fearful that some of those great errors, you know, like the Eastern Michigan sweet 16 runs, um, the Buffalo, you know, bowls teams, you know, that we had there. Um, I'm, I'm fearful that this is going to change what it is. And it's going to be even harder to get a two bid, uh, you know, Mac. And, you know, one thing is somebody said they keep adding division one schools, but the NCAA tournament doesn't get any larger, you know, uh, and yeah. you could, you know, and I'm like, man, they only, they did add some playing games, but that's a good point. I mean, it is probably harder now than it's ever been before for a mid-major to make the NCAA tournament. All great points. I, I can't disagree with you. And it's, it's crazy the way that this transfer portal has really transformed the offseason within college hoops. And I mean, college football too, but I mean, you know, there, there's that, uh, the, the, the Twitter account that tracks all this, that, you know, the verbal commits account, which I, I follow on Twitter. And I, I, it's almost to the point where I have to mute that account because, and it's not because I don't like the content that they provide. I really love it. I love seeing all those updates, but it's like literally this, these last couple of weeks I get on Twitter and half of my timeline is from verbal commits announcing new guys that are entering into the transfer portal and where are they going and all this stuff. It's like, a, it's a little bit overwhelming and, you know, anytime I, you know, I think the, the idea of the transfer portal was very well intended, but there, this right here, I think is, is an unintended consequence of that. And, you know, giving the players this additional power to move every off season, I'm not against that at all, but my goodness, it really has 
made the offseason in college basketball and, and college football too to a lesser extent it's kind of transformed it into the wild wild west where you never know what's going to happen on a given day you never know whose name you're going to see in the portal so we'll see where these four guys end up they were not the only mac players that entered the portal this week there were others these were these were just you know the four of the most consequential so we'll see where they end up we'll see if any of them end up wanting to return to their pr- previous schools um, although it does seem as if uh, they, they do uh, want to test the waters and see what else is out there. We, uh, we also, you know, we, the NCAA tournament is still going on, folks. Our bracket challenge is still going. We got, uh, we talked about it last week, you know, 44 entries. And um, we have right now, it looks like uh, one of RTB Cooper's 10 entries is in first place right now. So we're going to, we'll, we'll see what's going on. A lot of folks in this, uh, a lot of folks here had, Gonzaga winning. A lot of folks had Kentucky. There were some Arizonas in there. I know I had Arizona uh, myself. Uh, Vansy, I'm, I'm trying to look through here, find your bracket. Who did you have winning it all? I am uh, in like a, you know, like a 12 team tie. Yeah. Um, probably 11 of those are RB Cooper or what you know. <laughs> Um, but, uh, you know, no, I'm in like, uh, I'm in a big tie for, I think 21st and, yeah. you know, but I was talking before the podcast, my women's bracket is doing tremendous 95% got South Carolina winning it. You know, I, nobody else wanted to do one with me out of my buddies or whatever, but you know, 95%, that's what, you know, if like, that's what, if I was to die today, put that on my tombstone, not this bracket. There, there you go. And hey, you're in a tie for 21st place. You got me beat. I have, I'm in sole possession of 33rd. 33rd place is all mine. My, uh, my bracket went off the rails pretty quickly. I had a, Iowa in the final four, but the final nail in the coffin for me was with Arizona losing last weekend. I had Arizona winning it all. So not not my finest performance in the bracket challenge this year. So we'll see. We'll we'll keep we'll keep updated there. There's uh, we got quite a few people still in in the running here that can uh, win this whole thing. So we'll give a shout out next week to whoever ends up winning it all. Uh, close out the show here tonight, though, Vancy. Let's take a look at a little baseball. Uh, we had some uh, some some great matchups within the MAC this weekend. Uh, we talked a little bit last week about how Central Michigan and and Ball State uh, seem to be hitting their stride. And uh, Ball State has continued that form into this week. They picked up a sweep over Western Michigan on the weekend. They've now won seven in a row, nine and one in the MAC, fourteen and eight overall. Central Michigan not too far behind them, sitting in second in the MAC at five and one. They've had a couple games postponed because of weather. But uh, Vanzi, let's let's uh, I'll, you know I'll, I'll get your reaction initially here. Uh, anything you know from what you saw in the MAC this weekend? Any any results? Anything that surprised you? Anything that impressed you? What was your general reaction to what you saw on the on the diamond this weekend? Well, I just I still can't get over how much better the Mid American Conference looks when they're playing other Mid American Conference schools. You know, you look at these win loss records. You know, Eastern Michigan eight and thirteen, they're four and four in the MAC. Yeah. You know, Toledo, you know, 12 and 11, six and five in a Mac, you know, central 10 and 10, five and one in the Mac. So, you know, that's a little concerning to me, you know, about the, maybe the strength of the conference nationally, but we'll take it, you know, and, uh, you know, we're getting a lot of games now that are being played uh, up North here in, in the, the Northern climate, which is cool to see a um, couple of the shout outs, Toledo, the Toledo Rockets went down to Nick Swisher stadium. Yes, that's a thing. And uh, beat the Ohio state Buckeyes and the Bowling Green Falcons went up to uh, East Lansing, Michigan and beat the Michigan state Spartans. So, you know, those are some pretty uh, impressive results anytime you can beat some major programs like that. But how about this Bowling Green score? They beat Michigan State at East Lansing. Michigan State coached by former EMU head coach Jake Boss, who took uh, Eastern to their last NCAA tournament. But they beat Michigan State 12-3. to Their last game that they played before that, Bowling Green lost to Ohio 21-6. to Ooh. Yeah, I I don't know what happened there. I mean, you know, to to beat Michigan State 12 to 3, I that's that's a phenomenal result for them and Toledo to beat Ohio State to beat the big boys, you know, that's a that's a tremendous victory as well. Certainly is. Yeah, that uh 
that that Toledo victory certainly a, a victory for them to hang their hat on, and certainly a a marquee victory for the MAC this year. I'm I'm glad you mentioned Bowling Green though, Vanzi, because this is a team. Obviously, you remember a couple of years ago, uh, this program almost went away. In fact, they did formally announce they were going to disband the program until some some donors came in and donated some money, and and they were able to raise enough money to bring uh, bring the Falcons. You know, or should, I should say continue the program there but yeah i mean for for bowling green for a team like that to go up to east lansing and get a win against a big 10 school i mean bowling green let's let's be honest they're having a rough season right now four and 16 overall one and nine in the mac but that victory right there that's one of those things where it's like this is a sign of progress right this is something that you can build on and and kind of hopefully gain some confidence from another team that i wanted to give a shout out to kind of in that same in that same vein is how about akron and you know in their second season back after having you know disbanded the program for for five years, they're back and they've you know what they they won uh, they've won two straight games here. Uh, they played well against Northern Illinois this past weekend. They're sitting now. They're five and seven in the MAC and uh, and and seven and fifteen overall. They're seven and fifteen right now. They only won fifteen games all of last season. So some serious progress in year two, returning to the diamond for for the Zips. And I'll be curious to, to you know, I'll be, uh, let me put it this way. I'll be keeping my eyes on the Zips moving forward because um, I'm always, you know, I, I love rooting for teams that have the chips stacked against them, right? And Akron, I think I would certainly put Akron in that category. And the Zips right now, they're sitting at five and seven in the conference. And they, this weekend, a uh, little preview, they have three a three-game series at Bowling Green, who we just mentioned. Bowling Green, despite that win over uh, Michigan State last week, they're they're struggling a little bit right now. They've only won uh, four games on the season, one and nine in the MAC. If Akron can go to Bowling Green this weekend, and you know, let's say they win two out of three there, all of a sudden you're sitting at seven and eight in the MAC. You only won eight games in the conference all of last season. So so to be sitting at five hundred, uh, you know, in in mid April would be quite a feat. Quite a feat, excuse me, for the Zips. Yeah, what's interesting is you look at Akron's record in the conference. Well, they went up to uh, Eastern Michigan and they lost three out of four. So if you, you know, take that away, you know, I mean, they would be sitting a lot better um, if not for that, you know, bad series right there. But when you look at their upcoming schedule, they got the three games again. Well, they got, uh, you know, like they just played Baldwin Wallace and then they got three games at Bowling Green. Then they play Malone University, a D2 school. And then they got a three game series with Western Michigan, who is in that bottom third of the Mac baseball standings as well. A disappointing year there for the, the Western Michigan Broncos so far. But boy, that's, you know, if you want to make a run in kind of this jumbled mess of a conference other than Ball State, uh, there's an opportunity there if you can, you know, win some games against Bowling Green and Western Michigan. But then the schedule, just like the weather, you know, like as the weather should be turning to get nicer their schedule turns and gets rougher. They got ball state three games and then three games against central. So gotta, gotta make your bones now. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. That's, that's a good way to put it. Uh, Let's, let's look at some of the best individual performances of the week here. Vanzi. I'll I'll start with your guy, uh, Eastern Michigan, uh, Daniel Workington. Uh, What a, what a weekend he had, uh, you know, three-one uh, series victory over Akron for uh, for for the Eagles this past weekend, as you mentioned, three eighty-one average, eight hits, eleven RBIs. I mean, this is a guy that uh, really playing at a high level for Eastern Michigan right now. Yeah, and uh, he was the first Eastern Michigan player to hit five home runs in a four-game stretch since the two thousand and nine season. Mm. He's on a ten-game hitting streak. Uh, the best of his career and the best of any Eagle this season. So kind of some interesting factoids there, um, you know, a veteran player, um, you know, and, and boy, I don't know if the, you know, we might've missed it because we had so much basketball talk, but I don't know if we've had the same player more than once for one of these Mac uh, player of the week awards. It just seems like it's really kind of spreading the wealth. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I I think I'd have to go back and look. I don't remember off the top of my head, but I do believe you are correct there. And then when it comes on 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 the mound, pitcher pitchers of the week. How about Kyle Jones from Toledo in the three uh, two win for the Rockets on Friday over Miami? It's the second game of a doubleheader. So anyone that college follows college baseball knows, you know, doubleheader days. Those games are only seven innings. Seven inning complete game, thirteen strikeouts. 
two walks in that game, doubleheader sweep for uh, for Toledo in that one. So um, he's thrown at least six innings in all six of his starts this year, has at least eight strikeouts in four of those outings. His uh, 13 strikeouts on Friday were the most by a Mac pitcher this season. It seems, Vansy, I, I, again, th- so I, I've said this on the podcast before. This is the first year that I've really closely followed college baseball but just from a as a casual observer from the outside looking in at the mac this year there is some really good pitchers some really good talent on the mound across the board in the mac right now yeah i agree and uh you know uh, tyler uh oh man am i gonna be able to pronounce that schweister from ball state you know 11 strikeouts and five and two-thirds innings of you know innings pitched on monday you know so there's some arms that central michigan's got a couple of guys as well and you look at a lot of the more recent mac draftees they've been pitchers so it's something where sam bachman a top you know top 20 pick a year ago with the the angels of uh, los angeles so you know you look at the mac and they they produce these pitchers you know brian burlington you know uh, probably a decade ago now was a number one overall pick out of ball state yeah. So, you know, it's just something where pitching tends to be a little bit of the hitters, I think, in the, the colder climates, and that helps. But there are some very good arms here in the MAC country uh, that, you know, lend itself to having some great pitching performances. And I think that that makes these teams dangerous when you get into a, a MAC tournament down the road or potentially an NCAA tournament. And uh, if, if anyone is listening and they're thinking about going out to a ball game, one check the weather two if you can go out on a friday or a friday night that's the game you want to go to because you're going to have the team's number one pitchers kind of match up because you you know you'll have your friday night starters are typically your aces and then your saturday sunday starters are your twos and your threes so you know if you go out and and, you know you want to see kyle jones pitch you may have to go out on a friday you know, just like he pitched against Miami on Friday, you may have to see him on a Friday to be able to to cross that box. Wise words from a veteran college baseball fan, there for sure. Uh, let's let's take a look at uh, Vansy. Let's take a look at the weekend ahead here. Some some interesting matchups here. We got Miami traveling up to DeKalb to take on uh, Northern Illinois in a three game set. Ball State at Toledo. That's a heck of a series right there. Ball State, as we mentioned, first in the MAC right now, nine and one in the conference. Toledo at six and five, coming off that win over uh, over Ohio State. Uh, Akron going to Bowling Green, which we talked about. Little rivalry matchup here. Western Michigan traveling to Ypsilanti, uh, driving across the Mitten State for uh, for three games against the Eagles. Ohio going up to Mount Pleasant to take on Central Michigan. And Kent State, the lone team in non-conference action this weekend, taking on UConn out of the Big East. Uh, Vansy, obviously, I mean, that, that Ball State-Toledo uh, series kind of stands out to me. But outside of that, anything else this weekend that you're looking forward to? Any of these other uh, series catch your eye? Uh, you know, I mean, UConn at Kent State, UConn's been a NCAA tournament team, uh, you know, for baseball a couple times. Uh, Kent State hasn't had the year that you would have thought they would have. Um, if that game was played at UConn, UConn's got a tremendous baseball stadium. I That would have been very cool to see Kent State have the opportunity to go there. Uh, like we mentioned, Akron and Bowling Green. I got to go Ohio Central Michigan um, if I have to pick one. Uh, Central Michigan, I want to see if they can right the ship and kind of start making that push to be the class of the MAC that many expected them to be. Um, but so far, it looks like Ball State. Yeah, that Ball State Toledo series is certainly going to be one that I will be monitoring. I'm sure most MAC fans will be as well. Uh, yeah, but you're right. UConn, uh, you know, UConn was in that same sub-regional as Central Michigan last year in the NCAA tournament. Uh, the Chippewas not knocked them off one game there. So be curious to see how uh, the Kent State holds up against them. You're right, Kent State not having quite the season that we expected thus far. Four or five in the MAC, eight and ten overall. So we'll see if a, a trip outside of the conference will uh, get them some uh, some confidence. Back back into their game. Vansy, uh, we ran through women's hoops. We ran through men's hoops. A little baseball talk here. Before we get out of here, any wise words, any final thoughts for the, for the good of the people? Well, I, I don't, boy, I don't know about wise. Um, one thing <laughs> I was hoping that uh, this weekend I could go out and catch the EMU baseball game and, uh, you know, looking at it, uh, Saturday it's going to be 50 and showers, but then Sunday 52 and mostly cloudy. So maybe I'll get some baseball in. Also, I want to give a shout-out to the Western Michigan hockey team. Technically not in the MAC because it's a different conference. They were the number three national seed in the uh, NCAA men's hockey tournament. 
Um, they won their first round game. They then lost their second game, the opportunity to go to the Frozen Four in Boston. They lost to um, Minnesota. So um, good season there for the Broncos. A couple of their players, uh, Ronnie Attard being one of them, has signed with the Philadelphia Flyers. So uh, a little bit of hockey notes there. There you go. Yeah, certainly uh, certainly been a great season uh, for, for the Broncos on the ice up there in Kalamazoo. So that'll wrap it up for us here this week, folks. Episode 90 here on the bandwagon. We got uh, next week, you know, moving forward, we you know spring football is going on right now. We're going to jump back into some football talk here over the next couple weeks. Obviously, we'll keep an eye on uh, on, on baseball as well. And uh, we got some ongoing coaching searches here in men's and women's hoops that we'll keep you updated on. But anyway, uh, we'll get to all that next week. Uh, as always, thank you for stopping by this week, folks. He is Zach Vanuenzi. I am Zach Follador. This has been episode 90 of the Mid-American Bandwagon. Thanks for stopping by this week, folks. We'll talk to you again next Friday.